Hello and welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and we're so glad that you're here. We use our mojo to really become greater leaders. Now, let's get started by listening to something good. Want to make 2017 your best year ever? Then let me be your teacher, your mentor. I've prepared special courses and webinars for you that will help you succeed and to give you access directly to me. Go to mojouniversity.com and sign up today. You have nothing to lose. Try me for 30 days and if you aren't satisfied, I guarantee you a full refund, no questions asked. Don't go it alone. Let me be your guide at mojouniversity.com. Be successful today. Welcome everyone to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and I'm thrilled to introduce my special guest, Libby Wagner. Now Libby is a poet. Uh, She's written uh, things such as like this, like that, and somehow. And also what will you do with your 90,000 hours, the boardroom poet's thoughts on work. She's also the author of the Amazon bestseller, The Influencing Option, The Art of Building a Profit Culture in Business, and is a public speaker with her own TED Talk called Own Your Voice on YouTube. She's worked with numerous Fortune 500 clients, including Boeing, Nike, SAP, and Costco. She is a, uh, she actually holds a Master's of Fine Arts in Poetry and is a graduate of the Million Dollar Consulting College. And I like her description of this. It's a perfect symbiosis for the poet pragmatist. So Libby, welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Glad to have you with us today. Thank you, Steve. It's my pleasure to be here. I was looking forward to our chat today. Well, wonderful. Me too. And what what's uh, it's so cool to look at all of your background. I, I neglected to mention that you were a 2014 Nellie Cashman Woman Business of the Year. So you have great business experience, and I look forward to sharing uh, today some of your thoughts on leadership and business. But before we do that, why don't you share with our listeners what fun thing that you've been up to lately outside of work? Well, you know what, Steve, I have a passion for travel. And it's funny because I just got back from a month in Europe. I was in France and Greece, and everyone always says to me, are you traveling for business or for pleasure? And I always say both because I combine my work wherever I go. And uh, this coming Friday, I'm off to Ireland because I'm going to be uh, conducting some workshops there next year. And so... So I'm uh, I'm off to the the Emerald Isle where it's uh, cold and rainy and misty and I love it that way. Well, wonderful. I, I hope you have a great time and uh, I share your affinity for travel and work and fun and all those kind of good things. So 
Uh, I'm glad that you uh, took pause from your traveling and your work to share with us today. I know we're all going to learn from you. Thank you. Uh, as we start today, Libby, what I'd, uh, I'd like to do, uh, just to get our listeners a sense of you and, and your thoughts uh, on business, it's such an unusual background for someone to come from a background of poetry uh, to be so interested in business, and not just interested in business, but uh, really exceptionally successful in business. What was the moment in time whenever you realized that this was your calling, and what caused that? That's such a good question, actually. I, You know, a lot of times when I talk uh, to groups of leaders and business owners, I always joke around and say, well, you know, when I was in grad school, the MBAs and the MFAs, we were not at the same cocktail parties, you know, like we were not hanging around with each other. We, we thought we didn't have anything to talk about, but, um, but actually that's not true. And when I started my business 12 years ago, I'd been a college professor for almost 20 years, and I loved my work. I was really good at it. But I had a sense that I wanted to expand my work and my reach um, more creatively, and I wanted to work with people who were influencing and impacting what was going on in communities and uh, countries and the world. And so um, even though it seems strange, there aren't very many poets who work inside organizations, I help my clients see things a little bit differently. And uh, I, I know you definitely help them see things differently, uh, but was it because uh, business is so influential in really uh, influencing our culture and, and really we spend so much time in our life? Is, is that the connection to the poet side of you? I think it is. I mean, actually, it's so interesting you say that. You know, the the book you mentioned, What Will You Do With Your 90,000 Hours? I was getting ready to give a talk one time, and, and I did, I did I call it poet's math. I did a little calculation, like, okay, if you start working at this age and you retire at this age and you average this many hours per week, yada, yada, you know, how, how, how much time is that? And 90,000 hours, I like to say that and then just stop talking for a couple of seconds because it's so profound. And um, we spend more of our time at work than we do any place else. And so the people, the relationships, the impact that we have at work actually becomes who we are. And as a poet, you know, I'm always trying to do things that leaders are doing, which is I'm trying to say the unsayable and I'm trying to take risks and to notice and so on. And those things actually are um, happening in leaders' lives every day. And I wanted to be able to impact um, people and to help them create lives that were m both meaningful and, and high impact. Well, that, that's a, a great response, and I, I totally get that. Uh, I would point out how impressed I am uh, that you actually calculated the number of hours. I'm a math major, and so that kind of comes easy to me. <laughs> and uh, so, see, math and poetry, we have something in common. Most people just of don't course. realize that. Of course. Of course we do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know you've worked with a lot of different companies, and uh, one of the things that, that I'm very interested in, and, and I think will help our, our listeners today in leadership and management to understand, is that you've kind of researched that this thing we call leadership presence. And all of us are constantly aware when we're in a leadership 
capacity uh, that, that we have a certain presence. There are expectations that people have uh, about us. And uh, you've spent a good bit of time researching and talking about cultivating your voice and influence. So mm-hmm. I, I would like for you, number one, tell us uh, why presence is so important for us as leaders. And then I want to go into a little bit of in-depth on the elements of what makes that presence, if that's okay. Sure. Well, I think that uh, it's so interesting that we we are talking about presence because, you know, increasingly in the modern work world, um, people want to use technology to manage and lead um, and not their actual presence. And um, I, you know, some of my clients on a global level are trying to interact with teams that are spread out all over the world. And so uh, it's challenging to create high-quality, high-trust relationships to support performance and things like that. But their presence actually is multifaceted. And sometimes you can't um, substitute for physical presence but sometimes presence is more a quality of the way that we interact with people that can have an impact. So leaders are called upon to consistently be present to their employees at a time when now, you know, like we're just supposed to be available 24-7 via technology and we have, you know, sort of chronic stress problems around it. But presence is really about the quality of being that we embody when we show up um, you know, whether it's literally or figuratively in our working relationships. I, th- I totally agree with you. I mean, uh, certainly uh, I, I do understand that larger firms uh, are having to work with people all over the world, and it's become an increasing problem. I mean, I work with a lot of clients, uh, as you have, that have that similar issue. But I really want to point out, though, that it's not uh, because of technology today, it's no longer uh, just a problem for large companies. Uh, I interviewed uh, a, a guest that was a wildly successful small businessman that had uh, around 30 or 40 employees, 100% of which were virtual. They, they didn't even see each other. And uh, he had a, uh, a lot of great comments about it. So I think this is really important, no matter the size of your business, because presence uh, ha- has to be developed. And you have to be aware of it in order to influence your team. So I'm curious, uh, from your, your, uh, your perspective, uh, what do you believe the, the elements of presence actually are? Could you give us an example of two or two? Sure, of, of course. Well, you know, one of the things that I talk about in terms of helping leaders become more effective and, and to, to create this, you know, dramatic, and I call it dramatic, memorable impact, um, is to pay attention to four qualities that I think are very particular in terms of presence, um, and they are courage, noticing, saying the unsayable, and taking risks. And those elements actually also are part of what I would call the poetic paradigm. Um, You know, I use my own artistry and my own work and practice as an artist to get to the core nature of every leader's um, sort of given talents for creativity and innovation. 
And the idea is that when you're present to something, then you are able then to bring your best qualities and talents and effectiveness forward. When you're not present to it, you're, you're somewhere else, you're fragmented, you're spread out, you miss things, you make mistakes, things like that. So often what I do, I, I just talk about this in a, in a video I just recently made actually, which is interesting, but um, let's say I, uh, I was just working with uh, two engineering firms doing a merger last year, and engineers actually really uh, enjoy working with me because of that pragmatic side that I have. But at first, you know, they, they're a little bit frightened. They think I'm going to make them do a group hug or something. So I have to sort of, <laughs> you know, assure them that, you know, we're not going to do that. But anyway, what but I like to do is I like... they need it, though, Libby. That, I know, I know they, they could actually I know. really need that hug. <laughs> I, I know. That's a, that's a totally different podcast, Steve. We'll, just, we'll do the, the group hug for engineers on another podcast. Um, but the... What I, what I did with this particular group, and I, and I do this often, is I wrote those things right up on a, you know, on a board or, or a, a notepad. Courage, noticing, saying the unsayable, and taking risks. And I said to them, when do you need to use these in your work? And there's always about a you know, three-and-a-half-second pause, and then everybody looks at me like it's totally obvious and says, well, every day, of course, every day. And... And I, then what I say to them is, well, these are the same qualities that a poet uses in order to pay attention, in order to capture those things that we need to capture, which is really about owning your voice and a sense of presence. So I think leaders, when they recognize that presence is about embodying these things, then they can actually integrate them into their work and the bonus is it's also much more satisfying because when we are actually creating and in a sense of creation, we it feels good. We like it. So true. Uh, I, I love the way that uh, that you describe that, and I, I'll contrast it uh, from a standpoint in my own experience. When I first went into management, I, I had such a an warped view of what other people were were uh, actually perceiving. Uh, I may have intended well, but it didn't come across. And mm -hmm. it, it wasn't coming across because I really didn't uh, sync up between my intentions and what I really wanted people to, to think about and do. And so when when you do these things, when you began to to use courage and those uh, things that you've mentioned today. Uh, what are some of the tips you give for those of us that maybe struggle with these things? H how can we become more aware of who we are and how we're being perceived? How can we improve our presence? Well, I think, first of all, you, ha you mentioned a key point, I think, that's really essential, and that is to notice and pay attention to the gap between your intentions as a leader and then maybe the results that you're getting. And that is, those results are related to how others perceive you. And the key in there is that it's our behaviors that influence people, not our intentions. I think our intentions matter for sure. But uh, so many times I've been in conversation with leaders where, you know, they had this particular intention, but they were getting totally different results. And so some of that means that we have to, and, and, a, and a tip I have for, pe for people, is to really practice self-assessment and reflection. And 
this is you know something that seems counterintuitive you know i in my book the 90,000 hours book i talk about an element i call white space and what i mean by that is when um so for example if you look at how a poem looks on the page the white space is as important as the space with text because it's it's filled with something and so the white space of a leader's practice and a leader's life are the times that are unstructured are the times that 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 person may set aside for a walk or meditation or writing in a journal or self-reflection or even doing something physical which gets you kind of out of your head and into your body and even though this is like a nice idea and everybody's like yeah yeah whatever that's just great but when am i going to take time for that there'll never be time for that that's why it's counterintuitive but if you're able and willing as a leader to to do something like integrate white space into your into your daily practice you can cultivate your presence you can cultivate the way that you want to show up so that it is more in alignment with your intentions well i i totally agree with you and i, I find it to be very helpful myself and uh it, it is a common uh complaint if you will or comment uh if, they're, if they don't want to perceive they're complaining from leaders when they say, well, when am I going to have time for it? And mm-hmm. to me, it's, it's, uh, it's the same thing that whenever you have, uh, make time for a meeting, what do you do? You, you schedule it on a calendar in a vacant slot, and you show up and you do what you need to do. Uh, there's no difference. You could easily schedule some of this time uh, to, to reflect and to, to create some white space using your term in your calendar. And I, I think that the problem has been, uh, you mentioned earlier, technology. Uh, we, we tend to become slaves to the technology and instead of using the technology to really make us a, a more effective and a leader with our people is that a fair statement oh i think that's a, a fair statement and i also think we could we could probably have a whole other podcast just on the the way to be friends with technology but not let it be a bad boyfriend and um and i think you probably know what i mean by that you know oh, I do. you're just I do. <laughs> you know, I get it. So, um, but I, I think that, um, you know, here's the thing that I would say to Steve, especially about the things that we're talking about here, leadership presence and so on. You know, when people are beginning supervisors, you know, or beginning managers, there's a particular, you know, there are some tangible skill sets that they need to learn in order to be good managers of other people and to get things done through others. But once they've left that sort of beginning stage, the the true measure of an, an innovative and effective leader is about that person's mindset, and it's about practices. You know, um, I have a client, uh, uh, and you know how a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, it's not rocket science. Well, this is rocket science. These clients are, are uh, Nobel Prize winners and, and scientists solving the world's biggest science problems. And one of the first times I went to do work with them, I, in my mind I was like, what am I going to tell these guys, you know? Um, because I had former brigadier generals and, and um, you know, people who are really, really accomplished. And they didn't need new leadership skills. They needed new mindset skills. They needed to be able to manage their time. They needed to be able to show up in a way that was going to create high impact and be satisfying to them as well as, you know, really um, impacting change. So some of this present stuff is really 
um, about the practices and the rituals you begin for yourself. So you have to get off the technology, you know, gerbil wheel, and I call it worshiping at the church of busyness. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah. Absolutely. And, and uh, just so you know, I mean, I personally uh, believe and teach that mindset uh, is actually a, a skill that you have to have if you're going to be a great leader. I don't think you can do it. I just don't think you can lead people unless you really do have the proper mindset. So in, in my view, that's something we all have to continually cultivate. So I, I fully agree with you on that. I just think that people are not aware of it. They, they don't understand how it's affecting uh, their relationships with other people. Absolutely. And I actually, I actually believe that... Um, the 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 modern work world is hungry for a different kind of conversation. What do you mean you know, by that? Things, Tell us more about well, that. Well, what I mean by that is that you know the the pace of change and the and the the our addiction to speed and um, you know the 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 things that we're trying to sort through in terms of information. It's calling us in business and in leadership to adopt different paradigms. In other words, the old models of command and control really aren't sustainable. Um, the the ways that we've gone about doing things aren't sustainable. You know, we it's not fair to ask someone to leave their their whole self out in the car and then come into work and only ask them to bring their intellect. Amen There's to so that. many more parts to the human being. So I think when I say the, the the modern work world is hungry, it's hungry for a conversation about meaning. It's hungry for a conversation about, you know, sustainability and artistry and making a difference. And, you know, yeah, there are still, you know, lots of things covering, you know, showing up on the front page of the New York Times to discourage us from this kind of practice. But you know, before you were asking me about, you know, how, did, how in the world did I move from poetry to business? I mean, it's because I want, I want to create and, and help people find what I feel like are their authentic voices in, in the place of work. And that is different than it's been in the past. Uh, I think it's really 100% true in, in our world today. And I, I do want to state, just for the record, uh, one of the reasons why I've always loved poetry myself is because it forces me to think. And this world we live in today, I think fast, 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 of which I have been a self-professed uh, addict to fast most of my life. Uh, the, the, the real key for me was learning how to love slow. Mm -hmm. yeah, to just simply great. slow down and, and learn how to love that space. Well, I I think that's um, that's a really really I don't know if you've written about that yet, but I I would um, suggest that you do that, Steve, because that's a really great topic. Learning to love slow. And what I'll say to you, I'm glad you shared with me that that you like that you you like poetry. You know, sometimes people talk to me and they're like, I don't know about this, you know, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't I don't worry about that. But but you know. What it does, you're, you're intuitively responding to something that poetry does, and the, it's the reason why I use it when I go into spaces and I use it when I speak and so on, is because actually what it does is it arrests your attention. 
you can't actually listen to a poem and do anything else. Exactly. And so and so it actually it actually moves beyond your intellect right into your heart, right into your emotion and all of a sudden here we are we've captured this 2 minutes and 32 seconds and we were all in the same place at the same time and it's pretty magical and it changes the, the it changes the whole environment of a conversation. And so the people in the room then say, "Oh, wait a minute, this is not ordinary." wait a minute, we have to show up and have a different kind of conversation now. And it's totally weird, and, and um, you know, people kind of are confused by it at first, but because it works, they're willing to go with it. Now, it, it, it works so well because it, I don't know why we, we tend to think that we're not emotional beings, but the fact is we can't do our best work unless we're emotionally committed to it. And I think poetry uh, forces us to recognize that we are human, we do have emotions, and oh, guess what? All those other people working with you, they have emotions too. And wouldn't it be better if we connected to the positive emotions instead of those negative things that drive us all crazy? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think it's the positive ones that allow us to come inside of the conversation and, and you know, roll up our sleeves and get creative and get to work and solve problems and things like that. And it's also the negative emotions that give us clues and signals. You know, when we're stressed out at work or we're frustrated or we find ourselves angry, that's I like to call that divine discontent. It's just a hint. It's saying, whoa, you know, something's not right here. I, I need to make a change or a choice or I need to have a conversation that's really important to me. So that's the other thing I would say, going back to my saying, you know, like we're hungry for a different kind of conversation. It's a conversation that includes the whole human being. Absolutely. And um, yeah, and um, so I, I, I think that you know when we think back to you know presence and mindset and things like that, it is this idea that leadership is an inside job first. Hmm. So true. So true. I totally agree with that. Uh, yeah. Libby, I know that I, I don't want to go too far into our conversation today without giving our listeners a chance to learn how to connect with you and your great work. What's the best way they can connect with your work? Well, um, thanks for asking, Steve. Um, people can find me on my website at www.libbywagner.com, and there's, um, there's videos and, and uh, links to articles and things like that. You can find my books there, um, I, and uh, so that's a great place. And then a, a brand-new place to find me is actually um, another website, www.writinginireland.com. Um, I'm doing a uh, writing intensive next year, and people can find information about that and find me and and you know what that work is all about. You know, I, I, it's we're going to be we're going to be diving into the beautiful question of the um, the the ancient question actually of the blank page. So anybody who's ever wanted to write anything, and a lot of leaders are are thinking about articles or books or blogs or you know things like that and so um so i'm excited about that and and people can find me there too that's awesome and uh i, I think that sounds very interesting and uh i, I do want to say listeners uh, as always just to make it easy on you if you happen to be exercising don't stop finish your workout 
but we'll make sure to include those links uh, directly to the website so you can connect with Libby and learn more about the great things that she's doing uh, every day to help us. Uh, Libby, as we uh, kind of come to the end of our discussion today, uh, I, I want to end it uh, because I like to give people action items. And I think it helps us to really, uh, to, to really focus and to take action from what we've heard today. And we've talked about presence, we've talked about mindset, and what I'd like for you to do is give your, your top two or three action items that you believe we should take away today and start moving forward on these ideas. So I think here's my first action item. Uh, this is often uh, something that I do with my coaching clients. And um, I want to encourage uh, you, listening, listening leaders, um, to get an actual physical journal. If you don't have one already, even if you think you can't write and only like using the keyboard, there's a kinesthetic um, response that we have to actually physically writing. And just give yourself about 10 minutes. You can put a little timer on the iPhone and, um, and do what I call a nonstop writing. So uh, keep your hand moving. Don't worry about punctuation, spelling, or grammar, and go for the jugular, which means tell the truth. And at the beginning of that, I would like you to write what I really want as a leader. And allow yourself to just reflect and write, and even if you don't know and you get confused or you, you know, make out your grocery list instead, just write for 10 minutes on what I really want as a leader. And if you get stuck, you can come back to that phrase, what I really want as a leader. And what I, the reason I think this is a great action item for what we've talked about today with presence and impact and mindset is that sometimes, because we get so busy, we get really far away from what we really want, what our real intention, connection, and desires are as a leader. And the only way to manage our time and know if we're aligned with our organization or our company and any of those things is to make sure that it connects to who we are and what we want. So that's one action item I would have is to, is to just dive in and do a, a nonstop journal activity. I think the other thing is um, I want to go back to that notion of white space. Um, you know, really good leaders need time to be creative and innovative and you can't actually do that when you're messing about in the details of the day or stuck in the mud or the weeds or whatever whatever metaphor we want to say and so i my challenge and action step is to look at your calendar this week and give yourself an hour of white space and what that means there's nothing in it like you don't have to write and you don't have to walk or you just there's it's an absolute free hour and um and take some time to reflect or walk or meditate or something or stare out the window and uh, and see what kind of impact that creates because likely it'll be an investment in your presence when you show up for that next conversation or meeting or activity. Those are awesome suggestions. I highly uh, recommend that we all do that. I, I love that. A physical journal, 10 minutes. Uh, what I really want as a leader, and uh, schedule an hour of white space. I, I got to believe that some of us, if we schedule an hour with nothing in it, we're probably uh, going to need a martini to help us through it because we're so freaking <laughs> jumpy. Uh, but you know what? It's possible we can do it. 
uh, and I, I think it's a great thing for us to do. Uh, Libby, well, it's been such so a, go ahead. <laughs> it, it, it's been such a delight to have a conversation with you today, Libby, uh, and I, I really appreciate your ideas and your thoughts and the work that you're doing is is just awesome. Well, thank you, Steve, and thanks for supporting the ongoing professional and personal development of leaders. It's there's a reason that they say it's lonely at the top, and so I know you know people investing in their own development is really important. So podcasts like yours are one of the things that contribute to that. Well, I appreciate that very much, and uh, listeners, I want to point out our our distinguished guest today has been Libby Wagner. Uh, poet, author, and speaker, and I, I have to tell you, uh, you need to study her work. You need to look at her books. Uh, we can learn so much from one another, and Libby, thank you for sharing today. We wish you continued success in all that you do, and I can't wait till we have our next conversation. Thanks, Steve. Steve here, and one last reminder, I want to thank you for listening to the show, and I want to encourage you, go over to mojouniversity.com. Before you forget it, make sure you sign up for our training site, and let me be your teacher this year. I promise you, you're going to be successful. You're going to love it. Go to mojouniversity.com and sign up today.